right. Good morning. If you're here for the first time today, I just want to introduce myself to you. My name is David Joseph. I'm one of the pastors here at Indian Rocks. And Pastor Jeff, who is our lead pastor, is on vacation uh, this week. And he'll be back next week starting up a new series. But I just wanted to give uh, uh, just time of... uh, Welcome to you this morning. I thank DJ and the group for just leading us in worship. I'll tell you, we've had a busy month around here. We had a great time of just celebrating Christ's birth. I even wrote down some things that uh, have just gone on in the last three weeks. And it's just pretty amazing to me of how, uh, you know, people respond during this time of the year. But three weeks ago today... We had our uh, church and school Christmas concert. We had to, we've had to always do two of them because so many attend. Uh, so on that particular Sunday, which was the 10th, uh, we had over 4,400 people attending those two uh, concerts. And then uh, Saturday the 16th, a couple of weeks ago, we had Dave and Susie McMillan here on a Saturday night, and we had about 700 that attended uh, their Christmas concert. And then uh, on the 23rd, did anybody come here to hear Handel's Messiah? There was around 2,700 people here that night to hear the Florida Orchestra uh, do Handel's Messiah. And then a week ago today, we had our three Christmas Eve services. And between those three Christmas Eve services, we had about 5,000 people attending. And I think most of them are wore out because today is a little low. But I'm glad that you're here, you know. And believe it or not, even besides all that we did through the church, we hosted the uh, St. Pete College graduation that was on uh, Saturday about three weeks ago. And they had two different graduation services, and there was overflow needs, so they had to be set up in the fellowship center and in the chapel, because between those two, there were 7,000 people attending. Now, I'm glad that I didn't have to go to all of that, but I just wanted to give a shout out to our media team that was here for every event, sometimes staying till 1, 2 o'clock in the, in the morning to prepare for the next day. So front of the house, the guys in here, back of the house, Matt, Richard, Kyle, all of the uh, staff and volunteers, we just thank you so much for just going above and beyond the call during this month. But it was a great month to just celebrate Christ's birth. And now here we stand at, you know, the end of the year and uh, tomorrow being a new year. And about two and a half weeks ago, I was asked to give a, a title for the message today, and I really didn't know which way I was gonna go, but I knew that I would be addressing, I had to, to just reflect on last year, look forward to the next year. So I just said, put on the front of the heartbeat cover, you know, 2018, how will it be better? And I do think that this is an appropriate time to, to look back, assess, to look forward. And uh, I, I love Oswald Chambers. He has uh, a devotion that I go through called His Utmost for His Highest. And there's a quote that, he all, that I'll always remember. Then he says that our vision should always be beyond our grasp. So we should always be striving to do better in whatever area of our lives. And of course, today I'm just going to be talking mainly about those spiritual things. But really, if 2018, beginning uh, tomorrow, is going to be different, it's going to be because of some choices that you make. And uh, we choose our priorities based upon what we value. And so based upon your values, you're going to look at 2018 in a, uh, a different way than maybe some other people will. 
Like if you happen to value family above all else, maybe you're going to make some decisions to spend more time together, go on a vacation, maybe restore a relationship that's been strained. Maybe if you value finances, you're going to make a, uh, a priority to get out of debt this year or to make better investments or to grow your business or to... Uh, uh, you know, give, give back to the church or whatever. But if you value finances, you're going to make some priorities, some action steps. If you value your health, uh, you're going to, like I always attempt to do at this time of the year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose some weight. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to make a, a healthier choices. Uh, go to doctor's visits more often. If you value your career, uh, you're gonna, you know, uh, have some priorities there. Maybe it's a job change or advancement or growing your business. Uh, uh, if you're a student here, I see a lot of students here. Maybe it's right now you're reflecting on last semester and you know that I've got to make some changes if I value graduating and uh, I'm gonna make some changes and set some priorities and goals. Uh, or if it's your spiritual life, it's a great time to just say, if this is what I value the most, I need to set some priorities and take some action steps. But really, you will end up doing in 2018 what is important to you, what you value the most. But the problem in our world today is there's so, men, so many competing values out there. Uh, you know, the world is after your, your, your mind and your heart. The world wants your attention and affection. And so there's all these values that are placed before us. And, you know, if we had the time to do everything, then we could do everything. Or if we had the power or the ability, the energy to do everything, then we could do everything. But because we have limited time, we have limited energy, we have to make choices. And we have to uh, determine what is going to be that highest value. Now, if you look back on 2017, how, this, this crowd may have some struggle remembering I'm showing my age here. The Ed Sullivan Show. Does anybody at all? Okay, not too many. It was a variety show, but they would have acts come on. Go ahead and put this up if, here. I went and Googled this. And have you ever seen the guy? See, I can remember these, these shows, and I can remember the guy trying to keep all the plates spinning. Now, maybe 2017, you felt like this guy. Okay, that you have these plates that you have to keep spinning. Maybe those, those ones on the high pole are the ones of the greatest value to you. And you're trying to keep those spinning. But then you, you have all these other lesser values in life. And you got to try to keep those plates spinning also. Uh, call them kids and grandkids, whatever you want to call them, you know. But you have all of these plates that you're trying to spin and to keep up with. And we know that we, now this guy can do it. I can't, okay. But uh, here he is. He's getting all the plates spinning, uh, giving attention to everything that needs to be given attention to. And... Uh, let's, uh, in just a second, let's just give him a hand because he, he gets this all done. And so maybe this is how you felt in 2017, that there was just so many things to do, all right? But it's funny, when you Google something, you know, you get these other pictures that pop up. And, and uh, okay, he's done. So it could be that maybe you, maybe you felt like that in 2017, or as you look towards 2018, you're saying, there's so much that I have to keep spinning. Or you could be like this guy, I came across this other video because it was on the side in the YouTube. Go ahead and put this up. And it could be that 2017 kind of felt like this for you, okay? 
Uh, I mean, maybe you attempted some things, maybe you tried to get some plates spinning, you looked like you were doing a good job at it, but really what you did, you just maybe crashed and burned, and you, and you just weren't successful at all. Okay, well this guy never gets a plate spinning. We can just kind of cut that video off right now. But, I mean, sometimes life is like that. I have too much going on, and it's just impossible to keep them all going. Or you may have tried in the past and crashed and burned like this other guy, and you said, you know what, I'm not even going to look at at, at priorities for next year because I can never accomplish what I want to try to do. Uh, but like I said, you have to choose what you value most, then prioritize, and then take some action steps if you really want to see some change in 2018. So how do you keep all these plates spinning? You know, we've already determined you don't have the time and the energy to do it all. So you have to make choices. You have to determine what is most important. And of course, today I'm going to turn to Scripture because Jesus has told us what is most important in life. And I like uh, Matthew chapter uh, 6, verses 24 to 33, where Jesus even talks to us about the, 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 the madness of trying to have competing values. He talks here in this passage about, hey, are you going to love God or are you going to love the cares of this world, the riches of this world? And he starts this whole passage, and we're going to look at the one verse, with this reality. This is what he says. He says in Matthew 6, 24, No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So what Jesus is teaching us here is competing values cannot coexist. You can't keep them all spinning. It's impossible. So competing values cannot coexist. And usually, these lesser values, you have to make choices. And usually, lesser values always overwhelm greater values. Let's just picture the bowls on top. The lesser values, the plate, they always overwhelm the greater values. Why is it that lesser values always overwhelm greater values? It's because a lesser value takes less faith, less effort, and usually has a more expedient return. Where a greater value is going to take more faith, more effort, and oftentimes the outcome is further down the road. And if you're talking spiritually, the outcomes are eternal. And significance. That's why Jesus or uh, Paul said, He says, Do not look at the things which are seen, these lesser values, but look at the things which are unseen, the greater values. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. And so there's lesser values and greater values. And the ironic thing is that the lesser values always seem to overwhelm the greater values. But you know what? 2018 is going to boil down to your values. It's really a, a trust and belief question. And here's your choices. Do you believe that God will care for you, provide for you, protect you and your family, meet every need? If so, you will pursue Him as your highest value. But... If you believe that you have to take care of yourself, you're the provider, protector, the one responsible for meeting the needs of yourself and your family, then you will go down a road of a completely different set of values to pursue. And believe me, it's usually the lesser values, the low-hanging fruit that can produce a quicker result with less effort and it doesn't really seem to ever satisfy. It's that law of diminishing returns. And that's what we find with the lesser values in life. 
the ones that most of us go after because they're easier. Uh, but since we're created by God on purpose, for a purpose, I think it's best today as we're <laughs> looking back on 17 and starting 2018 tomorrow, maybe we should look to see what Jesus said should be our highest values. And uh, right off the bat, I just want to say that a lot of what I'm going to share is, is coming from the overflow of a book that I have read probably uh, four times over the last six months. You can put a, the picture of the book up on the, on the screen. It's called The Relationship Principles of Jesus. How many remember The Purpose Driven Life? It was out years ago. Uh, well, this is similar to it in the fact that it has 40 chapters and you're to read one seven or eight page chapter a day for 40 days. Almost use it like a, a devotional. And as I went through it the first time, it had such an impact on my life because, again, it's, it just brings Scripture explaining it in a totally different way that I, I bought it for all the pastors and a group of the pastors went through it together. And uh, we went through this book together. Then I took a connection group, my connection group, through this book. And I'm discipling a guy right now, and he and I are going through this book together. So a lot of what I'm going to share is just a little bit of the overflow, because I don't want to plagiarize. And if there's a quote that you're going to see, it's going to be a quote from this book. But uh, it, it really helped me determine hey, what is it that Jesus says that we should value the most? And I think that that's a good thing to be reminded of as we begin next year. You know, Jesus was the master teacher, and he was always being asked questions. And determined, really, the questions that he was asked was really determined by the crowd that was surrounding him. If he was being surrounded by his disciples, some true followers, uh, some seekers, usually the questions were sincere and heartfelt. Other times within that crowd could be some of the religious and political leaders of the day, and usually those questions were a little bit more insincere and, and really malicious. And it was one, once during one of those conspiring times that a... Uh, 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 one of the scribes came up and asked Jesus this particular question. And it's in Mark chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 28 to 31. And what you're going to hear here is Jesus telling, answering this question and letting us know what should be our greatest values. Okay? So Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord with all of uh, you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Let me repeat that last sentence. There are no other commandments greater than these. So this is huge. Jesus could not be more clear. Nothing is more important than relationships. Loving God and loving others. And here's a quote from the book. I, I love what it says here. If you miss out on relationships, you're missing the core reason for which God put you on this planet. Relationships are the greatest value that Jesus establishes. And anything of great value is going to cost you. But the ironic thing about valuing relationships is not in the knowing, but it's in the doing. Because all of us in here right now would probably tell me you believe the Bible. And you would probably all say that you believe what Jesus teaches in the Bible. 
And so right here in the Bible, what Jesus was teaching is that relationships are the greatest value in life. Loving God and loving others. So our problem is not in the knowing, but it's in the doing. And, uh, and I think that Jesus realizes that we struggle a little bit in the doing, carrying out or prioritizing our values, the how-tos of what's important. So what I love about Jesus in this teaching is he tells us what the two great values are. And then in this passage, he begins to tell you and teach you how to do it. Okay, so value number one is we're to love God. Well, okay, that's the value. How do you do it? He tells you, you love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. That's the how-tos. That's how we're to love God. That's how we're to make him our highest value. So what does it mean to love him with all of your heart? Well, first of all, that really means your emotions, your feelings. Uh, we're to be emotionally connected to God. And I don't want to, uh, you know, sound stereotypical, but guys, we struggle a little bit more with our emotions than the ladies do. And, but I think a great person to look at in Scripture about loving God passionately with their emotions and their feelings is David. Read through the Psalms and you hear him praising God, rejoicing and letting his emotions be known. And you'll also see him weeping, mourning, being fearful, questioning, his emotions being known. And emotions are such a powerful driver. I think that's why Jesus began with this, that he wants us to love him with all of our emotions, all of our feelings. Because, and advertisers know this. You know, if they can get you emotionally connected to their product, you're going to pursue their product. I'll, I'll, I'll make a little confession here. I got emotionally connected to a pickup truck about a month ago. You know, I have a pickup truck, uh, but my pickup truck is like 13 years old. It's got 220,000 miles on it, and it's been good to me. But I was up in Georgia with my son. He has a little hunting lease up there. And the next door neighbor in the farm, he happens to be the sales manager for the Ford dealership in town. And he had a demo. Nice pickup truck. And he came over and he saw my pickup truck. And we started talking. And he, I told him how old it was and how many miles I had on it. And he says, man, you're one ignition switch away from needing a new engine. You're one ignition switch away from needing a transmission. Come over here. Why don't you drive this thing for the weekend? I think you'll enjoy it. And I walked over, and it was a beautiful truck. And I put my head in, and I sniffed it. And I backed away from it, you know. But for, I, I did not drive it. Uh, he wanted me to take it for the weekend. He was good. But you know what? He wanted me to get him, and I got emotionally connected just by sniffing that truck for about two or three weeks and just thinking, you know what? He's probably right. And then I came to my senses, and I washed, and I waxed my truck, and I patted it on the dashboard and asked for a couple of more years out of it. But you know what? Emotions are a powerful driver. And God wants us to be emotionally co connected to him so that we pursue him. I love the thought of this verse that's in uh, 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and, throw, throw, ah, to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. He wants you to love him with all of your heart, your emotions, your feelings. And then he says, number two, love, love me with all of your soul. Now, what does that mean? 
What does it mean to love him with your soul? Your soul is your decisions, your choices that you make, your want to. He wants you to love him with all of your will, your soul. You know, I love my wife, and because I love my wife, I make choices because of my relationship with my wife. I choose to do some things that I know that are important, and I choose to do some things not to do some things that I know could hurt the relationship. I love my wife with all of my soul. And I do that because I, 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 you know, those are choices that I make. He, God wants you to love him with your will, your choices, uh, your decisions, your want to. And I guarantee you, in here this morning, there's something between you and your relationship with the Lord that is a battle of your will that you're fighting. There's something. Maybe it's something that you should be doing or maybe it's something that you shouldn't be doing. That's a choice that you have to make if you want to love him with all of your soul, your will, your choices. If you can't think of something, let me give you something. You're going to really appreciate this one. But if pastor has had to ask us as a church to consider our financial giving at the end of this year because we're behind in finances. And it's really not a money issue. It really isn't a money issue. It's a, a battle of the wills, your issue. Are, do you consider yourself an owner of everything that God has blessed you with. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. Everything that you have is a blessing. So you have a choice. Am I an owner of that? I'm in control? Or, biblically, am I a steward, a manager of what God has entrusted with me and I need to be faithful in that stewardship of what he has blessed me with. That's a huge question that is a matter of choices, your will. And, and I know that there's some, many, as a matter of fact, statistically, they say that the average church member, average person, there, in the average church in America, there's only 6% of the people who tithe. That's an amazing statistic. And I don't, this isn't about finances today. This is about loving the Lord your God with all of your soul. Choices that need to be made. But I'm just a pragmatic kind of a guy. And I just look at the shortfall in our budget. You see what our budget needs are. They're about $107,000 a week. That comes to $5.5 million for the year. And I love to just play with the numbers, the math. Okay? We have over 4,300 church members that make up about 2,200 giving units. A family is a giving unit. They may have five church members in it, but that's one giving unit. We have about 2,200 giving units in our church. But let's bring that number down so the math is easier to 2,000 giving units in our church. And let's say the average household income of that family is $40,000, which is low for Pinellas County. And let's say that family were to tithe on that $40,000, which would be $4,000 times $2,000. $4,000 times $2,000 is $8 million. Okay? Our budget is 5.5 versus $8 million. We wouldn't have to have faith promise giving. The children's building could have already been built by now. But it's a matter of a choice that we have to make as a believer. Am I an owner? It's mine. Or have I been entrusted with something that one day I will be held accountable to? I know that kind of put us in an uncomfortable situation. But you know what? God wants us to love us, love him with all of our heart emotionally, with all of our soul 
with the decisions that we make and the choices that we make. Then he says we're to love him with all of our mind. What does that mean? Your thought life, your thinking, what you feed your mind with. Uh, he wants you to be in his word. You know, he wants you to meditate on his word. He, he wants us to love us with, love him with, you know, as, as when I first fell in, my, in love with my wife, you can all remember those times that that's all you thought about. Okay, God wants this, he wants you to be thinking about him and, and meditating on his word. How many know how to meditate? You know, my grandson the other day, he was seven years old, we were at the dinner table, and he put his little finger and thumb together, closed his eyes and went, um, serenity now. He had to have seen it on some cartoon. That's not meditation, okay? Uh, that's not meditating on God's word. Uh, how many know how to worry? Raise your hand. Do you know how to worry? What worry is is focused attention. And you know, if you're something that you're really worried about, it's on your mind all day. You can be on a telephone call, you hang up, and your mind goes right to the worry. So if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate on God's Word. Feed your mind with God's Word. Be in His Word on a daily basis. Be thinking about His goodness, His love for you. And, and focus on that throughout the, day, throughout the day. He wants you to love Him with all of your mind. I love Isaiah 26, 3, and it says this, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Uh, went through a study in Philippians by Matt Chandler, and I love what he says. He says, there's always more of him to be known. He wants you to know him better, know him more, know him deeper. Love him with all of your mind. Each and every time one of my kids, I gave them a Bible as they were growing up, then they'd lose it and I'd have to give them another one. But I would always write the verse Joshua 1.8 in the cover of the Bible. And Joshua 1.8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night and be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will have, uh, then you, you're, Way will be prosperous, and then you will have good success. Meditating on his word, loving him with all of your mind. So, we're to, so he's given us the how-tos of how to make him our top value and to love him by loving him with all of our, our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and then he also says, with all of our strength. At some point, your emotions and your decisions and your thoughts need to be acted upon. You've heard it said that love is a verb, and, and it's no different when it comes to the Lord. We need to act upon these feelings, this mind that he's given to us that's focused on him, our emotions. They need to be acted upon. So you can take notes, you can get these concepts down, but if you don't do something about it, nothing will change, especially for next year and your, and your relationship with the Lord. And again, remember that the greater values always take more faith, more effort, and sometimes the uh, outcome is, <laughs> for us, is eternal. But also remember this that Jesus would never ask you to do something that he doesn't empower you to accomplish. He wants you to love. And this is, this is a tough thing to do because there's three little words in front of each one of those action steps. All of your. He wants you to love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, and you're going to say, hey, I'm like the guy in the first video. I have all these things that are before me. I can't do it all. And you're going to hear me say this a couple of more times. It's not about you trying harder. It's about you trusting in Jesus. You know, it's not about you trying harder. It's about you trusting in Jesus. He empowers you with his Holy Spirit. That's why I love Romans 8, 
11, it says this, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give your life will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Get that picture. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. I love the way that Paul puts it in Ephesians 3.20 when he's praying for the church at Ephesus. He says, I memorize it this way, I can do exceeding abundantly beyond what you're able to ask or think according to the power that works within you. Paul in Philippians says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So Jesus is telling you, yes, okay, this is the highest value. This is how you love me, but I'm going to give you the power and the love to do it. As believers, we have that power within us. Okay, that's loving God. What about this other thing, this second great commandment, where Jesus says to him, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, what is that value all about? What does that mean? Well, it's also asked at another time by someone trying to trick Jesus up, and that's in Luke chapter 10. Look at verses uh, uh, 25 to 29, uh, because what we see here is how do we love others? Jesus is going to teach us. He's going to say, hey, this again is the second highest value that should be placed before us as believers. First, love the Lord your God, and then second, love your neighbor as yourself, love others. And so what we see here is a lawyer coming up trying to trick Jesus by asking a question, and Jesus is just the greatest answerer of questions, okay? And so Luke chapter 10, verse 25, And behold, the lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered and said, Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, Okay, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But then desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus responds with this remarkable story of the Good Samaritan. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter because most of us in here know that story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, and Jesus makes a hero out of the Samaritan, which were despised people, of the Jews. Okay, and so you know the story. Uh, a Jewish person has been robbed, beaten, is bleeding on the side of the road. A priest passes him by, a Levite passes him by, fellow Jews. And who stops? The hated Samaritan who bandages up his wound and cares for him. And so what you see in that passage is Jesus teaching us how to love the world, how to love our neighbor. And you're saying, how can you love the world? This, this is such an amazing story. I need, just need you to understand what he's teaching here. And again, a quote from uh, the book, The Relationship Principles of Jesus. This is a parable that one pictures the value of loving everyone and speaks to the value of loving someone. Everyone means there's no one outside the limits of my love. Someone means I can only practice love towards the people I am with right now. And then he puts it kind of in another quote, kind of sums it all up by saying this. I cannot limit the extent of my love, but I must limit the expression of my love. So how do you love others? First of all, we cannot limit the extent of our love. We are to love everyone. But we sometimes limit our love because of our differences. And there's a whole litany of differences that would keep us from limiting our love. It could be social economical difference, racial differences, 
political differences, Alabama-Clemson differences, whatever the differences, there's sometimes we limit our love based upon differences. But what we find is that God's love is an everyone, everywhere, all the time kind of love. And our love, human love, is a some people, some places, some of the time kind of love. And we are to love everyone. We can't limit the extent of our love. Uh, And another reason we sometimes limit the extent of our love is because of our fear. It's risky to love someone. It was a risk for that Samaritan to to, uh, come to the aid of that fallen Jewish traveler. Okay? And so there, there's a risk to loving. And sometimes, maybe it's been in the past, we've been hurt by a love. We've been betrayed. And we don't want to be hurt again. We don't want to risk to love again. And so we'll sometimes limit our love, not just because of our differences, but because it is a risk. It can be messy to love other people. And I love what C.S. Lewis says. Let me read you this quote. He says, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. Our heart can become calloused if we don't love, if we don't risk loving again. So we're to love everyone. How? Jesus tells us how. We must limit the expression of our love. In that story, the good Samaritan took the opportunity to love the one that was in front of him at that moment. Christ's love within us can only be expressed one opportunity at a time. You have opportunities before you each and probably every day, but at least every week you have an opportunity to express Christ's love to someone in need, to someone that needs to to sense that love and to know that love. And that's how we love the world one opportunity at a time. We can't, you know, limit the extent of our love, but we have to limit the expression of our love. God has placed you. I believe in a big God, and I believe that he has placed you in your neighborhood on purpose for purpose. I believe that he has placed you in that job on purpose for a purpose. I believe that you are going to businesses that you frequent on purpose for a purpose. I believe that students, you're in the school that God has you in, the classes that he has you in, on purpose for a purpose. To be light to a dark world. To love someone that God will place before you. That's how we love the world, one opportunity at a time. And that's the beauty of the story of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus has to ask, ends up asking this question, okay, who is your neighbor? And this guy that wanted to justify himself had to admit that it was the hated Samaritan. It's just a wonderful story of how we're to love the world. And so Jesus, what he does here is he gives us the two greatest values. Again, it's all in the knowing. We know that it's true because Jesus said it. The greatest values in life is about relationships, loving God and loving others. And he tells us how to do it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then 
with loving others, loving the world. You can't limit the extent of your love, but you can limit the expression of your love by loving that person that God places before you today. And those are the two greatest values. You know, in our church, we kind of hold up four values. And two of them are, are, are exactly these. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's what we call C1, connecting to God. It's knowing and loving God. And then loving your neighbor, loving the world. That's, that's what we're talking about when we say, you know, being connected to the world, living sent, going, loving the world. How do I love the world? You can give to our missions. You know, I mean, we have missionaries throughout the world, but that's what I love about our candlelight service. You know, you may not be able to love all of the world, you know, but we want you to be light. We want you to live sent. We want you to love that person that God has placed before you in your neighborhood at your workplace. Those are our values also. When Jesus said, these are the two greatest values, those are our values. And you, say, you may say, well, what about connecting to others and connecting to ministry? Is that also supposed to be a value? Thank you for asking that. That's the way I want to close today. I want us to look at one more relationship principle that Jesus puts before us. And that's in John chapter 13. Uh, and believe me, I will be done before the end of the year. Okay? So just give me about five more minutes, okay? As I just kind of bring this down to a close. Because this is so important. Uh, because what Jesus does here in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 35, this is when he's having the Passover meal with his disciples. And during this Passover meal, uh, he is going to teach them the lesson, the how-to, and then he is going to let them know what the value is. And, and what that relationship principle is all about. So I'm going to jump down to the value, the end of the passage in John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. You know, after the, 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 they've had their Passover meal, Jesus says this. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. To me, this is amazing. He says, a new commandment I give to you. Now, he's already given the greatest commandment and the second commandment. Now, this new commandment doesn't supersede the other two values. Because he's talking to a different audience here. He's talking to who? He's talking to his followers. He's talking to his disciples. When he says, and he says it three times in those two verses, love one another, love one another. They'll know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So what he is saying here is that there's another love, another relationship that needs to be of highest value. He says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. He's talking to believers. We're to have a love for one another that's so unmistakable that when people see it, they'll know that we're followers of the Lord. Having love for one another. And okay, well, that's the value, Jesus. Well, how do you do it? Well, he had already given them the lesson before the value. Because in verse 5, it says that he took up a bowl, a basin of water, and a towel and began to wash their feet. He began to serve them. And Jesus then says in verses 13, 14, and 15, You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for I am. If I then, the Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. So he tells them at the end what the value is. Love one another. How do we do it? By serving one another. 
Guess what? Those are those other two values that we have, being connected to one another. We call it growing better together, being in a small group so that we can know each other, care for each other, love one another. You know that there's 50 times in the New Testament that each other and one another is mentioned? There's like 50 different one another commands. Pray for one another care for one another, encourage one another. It just goes on and on. I have all 50 of them written down, but I don't have time to go through them right now with you. But believe me, we are to have a different love, a love that connects us, a love that when the world sees it, that they know that we're followers of Jesus. And so what Jesus has done here in these three passages that I've shared with you today is to help you to determine what are you going to value next year. Beginning tomorrow, what are going to be your highest values? Jesus already tells us to love the Lord your God, to love your neighbor, and to love one another. He tells us what they are, then he tells us how to do it. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, don't limit the extent of your love, but limit the expression of your love and serve one another. These are our highest values. They should be our highest values, but they take effort and they take faith. But guess what? He's empowered you to do it. But why is it that we allow the lesser values to overwhelm the greater values? And uh, again, in Matthew, um, now I'm, 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 I'm just... Verses are coming to mind where Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Prioritize. Make the values that Jesus teaches should be the values of our life to be the value in your life. Because, it, again, it just comes down to that faith question. Do you believe that God cares for you, that he loves you, that he has a wonderful plan for your life, that he's going to protect you and provide for you? If so, you will pursue him as your highest value. If not, then you believe that you have to take care of yourself. You're the provider, the protector, the one responsible for meeting the needs of yourself. So it's going to take you down a road of lesser values that will never, ever satisfy and so as we come to years in and the end of this service today I just want you to consider what Jesus said is to be our highest values he teaches us how to make them our highest values so it's we know it it's now up to us to be the ones that do it and again believe me it's not Philip, you can go ahead and make your way up here. It's not trying harder next year. It's trusting in Jesus. It's not trying harder. It's trusting in Jesus.